thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. David, as he, again, David gathered in verse 1 of chapter 6, all the choice men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, commander of all the forces of the universe. Whenever you see that, the Lord of hosts means commander of all the forces of the universe, who dwells between the cherubim. You remember? angelic beings between the wings of the cherubim, and there, there above the mercy seat is where the very presence of God dwelt. Now the ark was captured and hauled off by the Philistines, right? Remember the ark got captured, hauled off by the Philistines. Now how did they haul it off? They built, they took an, an ark, uh, cart, and they put the ark on the cart, and they hauled it off. That's how the world moved it around. Just think, stay with this. That's how the world moved around the presence, that which represented the presence of God, the glory of God. Read on, verse three. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. Well, if they hauled off on just some other cart, then we'll build a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was on the hill. And Uzzah, his name means strong. And Ahio, brotherly, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. So you got strong and brotherly. And this awesome parade that David has got with 30,000 people, and they're just, it's just this awesome parade to bring the ark back. All this pomp and circumstance and just all this crazy, awesome stuff going on. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God in Ohio, went before the ark. So Ohio's out before it. Brotherly's out there running around, doing the, good, the PR stuff out in front, right? It's kind of what it reads like, isn't it? He's out in front doing the, hey, hey greetings, good, good to see you, know, doing all the cool stuff. And then you got Strong hanging back there, kind of walking with the ark, Uzzah. Now, let's go on. And David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord, all kinds of instruments, of fir wood and harps and stringed instruments and tambourines, sistrums, and on cymbals. This is all, this all seems fine to this point. Do you agree? I mean, if we didn't read much further, it all just seems great. But, but let's go on. Verse 6, And when they came to Nikon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. The ark slips, and it looks like it's going to fall out. Uzzah reaches out his hand to stop, you know, because Strong's right there to step in and fix it right? Jumps out trying to, trying to fix this situation. 
And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. Read this a little bit further with verse 10. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Why, if David grabbed a hold of the thing and started moving it around, why wasn't David killed? Why didn't David get struck? Uzzah just reached out and touched the thing, trying to save it from hitting the ground, and he got killed. These are the things that are great things to question and ponder and ask God when we get to the other side. Just and righteous are your ways, O Lord. The Bible says that. Have you ever, haven't you ever noticed this? How come so-and-so can do that, and it doesn't seem to be, but man, I do something like that, I'm just, it just turns into a horrible, I, t- I jokingly tell you, I'm, I'm on a short leash, guys, you know? I just am. That's my world, you know? There's a lot of stuff, I just, it just doesn't work out for me. I can't judge you because it works out for you. Well, it's, this is that kind of thing. God deals with all of us, every one of us as individuals. Somehow, David, you know, was doing what he thought the best he could do, and it was just seems good. What's really going on here? What's the issue with what's happening? Why did this go so bad? So if, in fact, the ark represents, which it does, the kabod, the, the glory, the weight, the substance of the presence of God, It's something we long for. It's something we desire. It's something we want to experience and have in our lives. This is the thing. I think this is a great thing for us to think about. The presence of the Lord in that sense, this this the glory of God was taken out on a cart by the worldly people, the Philistines. It's hauled off. Now, all of a sudden, God's people are copying the world. God's people are now copying the world and trying to bring back the glory of God's presence through a worldly means. God's got his ways of building and developing ministry. God's got his ways of reaching a city, a people. God's got his ways of bringing back the center focus of his presence and his glory. 
God's got his ways, but it's not the worldly ways. It's not mimicking or doing things just like the world does. Well, gosh, you know, we go to all these other concerts and they've got two singers doing this, two musicians doing that, this person doing that. They got lights and bells and whistles and everything going on. Isn't that what our service is supposed to be? I mean, isn't that the way? I mean, they seem like they're having a glorious, wonderful time. They seem like the glory's there with them. Shouldn't it be? Oh, no. We've got to be really wise and really careful. I've heard it said, and, and from time to time you catch it when you hear people talking about this sometimes. They'll say, yeah, well, they, got, they made a new cart. They brought in and they got bigger wheels and new boards. They got, a new, they got new people on the board. They're movers and shakers. And we got this going on and we got this sideshow going and this happening. And that, man, that's why I'm so careful to tell you about my heart in what we're doing with our guests that we have once a month right now for whenever, however long we're doing them. You see, we're doing this for a specific season, for a specific reason. I'm, I'm hoping we catch God's vision in it of just connecting because we've lost the art of sharing our testimony. It's just a lost art in our world. Half the time we've got our face in our phones. I mean, we, we don't even, you know, we're just... We're just in a different, we're not connecting with other humans the way we used to. This is just true. It, our society interacts differently. And so we have to really, really kind of reconnect with that idea of getting. Back to this thought, though. They carried it away. They moved the ark, the, and, and they did it in a worldly way. And now they want to bring back the glory of God, and they're doing it. There's the parade. There's all this stuff. There's all these things going on. It's that's just the way the world would do it. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. The presence of God certainly brings blessing, doesn't it? The presence of God certainly brings a blessing. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. David went back and started doing his homework. You see, it wasn't in this newfangled cart. It wasn't in doing things the way the world does it. It was found in the old parchments. It was in the scrolls. How to get the glory back, the presence of God, was found in the scrolls. It's found in his word. Let's check it out. And it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed. David sacrificed oxen and fattened sheep. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And now the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David 
leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. David had built a place for the presence of God. And then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he distributed among all the people, among all, among the whole multitude of Israel, both men, both women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins, so that all the people departed, everyone to his house. So not only did they all, they all partook of this wonderful celebration. Not only did they celebrate together, but they took portions into their homes and continued to celebrate individually, you know, within their own homes. And David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids and his servants, of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me, and I don't think he's mad when he's saying this. He just says, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will even be more undignified than this and will be humbled in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Herein lies the key. We want God's presence. We want to experience the, the glory of the Lord. Where the presence of God is, there just seems to be blessing. There's no doubt about that. There, the, the, the two kind of seem to go together. We want that. We want that in our personal lives. We want that in our homes. We certainly want that in our, our, our body life here at the church. We want the presence of God. But it's not going to come through just special functions. It's not going to come through any, anything like that. It, it, the key that we seem to find is that to bring that ark, which represents the presence of the Lord, to bring that glory, that, that centric focus back to the Lord, comes through simple, humble, sincere worship. That's how it happened. They brought that thing, they walked six paces, they sacrificed, they worshiped the Lord. They walked in those six, and they worshiped the Lord. It's really a life then of worship that ushers in the presence of God, that welcomes the presence of God. Worship and praise. David danced before the Lord. He was openly, willingly, it was by his own choice that he did that as he worshiped the Lord. Unabashedly, I would say, basically, would be the way I would say that. He was just open about it. He was just 
real and, and just, just loved God and he was just worshiping God and, and praising God for God's goodness and his grace and all that he was doing. And he was just welcoming the presence of the Lord into his life, into the life of the people of God, into the city of God. He was just welcoming God back in. And it happened through worship. It didn't happen through any other means but just that. Now, she, his wife, was basically ridiculing him for his worship and his openness and his, his just desire for the Lord. Isn't it interesting, his response to her as he tells her, hey, look at man, God appointed me king and not your dad now. Saul's biggest problem was he was not a worshiper. That was the problem. I read to you earlier about David's recollection of whose city it was and, you know, whose people it, they are and all that. It's all about God. David's all about God. You see, Saul was all about himself. And you see the difference in the contrast. The other thing that's interesting, there was an, an unfortunate barrenness that set in with David's bride because of her perspective of open, unabashed worship. There was a barrenness that set in. So if you're ever experiencing maybe a barrenness you're sensing, Go back and see who are, what are you really worshiping? Because true worship, worship is really that object of your focus. What, what captures the, the vast majority of your attention? What you're really thinking on and, and, and focused on, that's the object of your worship. And God's desire is that we worship him and him alone, isn't it? That, that's clearly his desire. He will have no other gods before him. He deserves, he's worthy of all honor, all glory, all worship, all praise, certainly. But we want the, the presence, we want to sense the presence of God, but I think we may need to really think through individually about our worship of God, personally, corporately. See, it's not about the music. It's not about who's playing the music. It's really not about whether you or I like it. Our focus is so self-centric. Well, I don't know that I really care for that. Well, we aren't singing to you. Did you ever think about that? We're not singing to you. We're not worshiping you. We're worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Simply, humbly, that's our posture of heart. That's really the focus. It's very different. And I encourage you, think back through what's really important. It's got to shift from all about us to be all about him in order to usher in his presence. And man, I'm telling you, that's what we long for. Just a sense of his presence in our lives. You see, we don't need to try and duplicate anything the world's doing. We got the best thing going. I ran into a person today 
early, just, just only moments ago at the coffee shop. And uh, he's telling me about um, when he'd gotten saved and he'd gone to a concert. Actually, it was a Keith Green concert years and years and years ago. And he was listening to the music and, and said, you know, he, he missed lyrics. He, you know, all kinds of things happened, you know, sound things went on. But he said the one thing, now this guy knows nothing of what I'm going to be teaching or anything, okay? This guy's just telling me this. He's bumped into him at the coffee shop, and he's telling me about this. And he goes, yeah, the one thing, though, man, that was unmistakable was the presence of the Lord was there. He said it's almost indescribable when the presence of the Lord is there. Do you long for that? I'll ask you that personally. Do you, do you long for that? I, I really long for that. I long for us to experience that in our, in our gatherings together. I, I really do. I think it's something that then when we experience that, this is what really true revival stems from. This is why, you know, I, you read through some of these guys that years ago, you know, and, and, and the speakers, you know, the, the things they talked on. You re, Jonathan Edwards is, is a great one. He, he could barely see. He would read his text like this up close. I mean, it's like within an inch or so, he'd read You had trouble seeing And he would read it, though, verbatim, word for word. And when he had lifted up his eyes from reading the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, when he, when he lifted up his eyes, the aisles were packed just because the presence of God had shown up. And there was a response to that. So it's not the oration of the word. It's not the, 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 the worship or the style, you know, of the music. That's not what it all is. It's all about the presence of the Lord showing up in our midst. As we gather, he is in our midst. The idea is to allow him his place. I think this is something to pray on through this week. It's something to shoot for as we get together. Man, let's be praying through the week. Lord, we know you're present within us. We know you're with us. We ask that you'd manifest yourself. Show yourself present in our gatherings together that we might see you for who you are, Lord. You see, if we come expectantly, I guarantee you, you will receive. We come with an anticipation that, man, God's going to meet us here. God will meet us here. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks again for listening to the Bible study today, and I trust that God is speaking to your heart. Oftentimes when we hear God's word, it kind of pricks our hearts, and there's a, a, a desire to respond. And I want to give you that opportunity to respond to God today by giving your life to Jesus if you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you want that free gift of salvation, everlasting life, it's yours. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer of faith. And maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you've walked with God at some point in your life, but you're just not walking with him today and want to get right with him. This is an opportunity for you. You know, many make fun of of Jesus' second coming, that they're wondering, hey, is Jesus ever going to come back? And they make fun of it kind of asking, where's the promise of his coming? You know, trying to, to act like God's forgotten about us. Well, God's not forgotten about you, me, or, or this world. 
But the real reality is the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, that's God's heart, is that we would get to that place of repentance. That means to turn away from something and to begin to follow something else. Turning away from our sin and our sinful thoughts and our sinful actions in our lives that are so destructive, and then willingly follow him. That's his desire, that we wouldn't perish, but that we'd have everlasting life. If you'd pray a simple prayer of faith with me right now, right where you are, right whatever's going on in your life, if you just take this brief moment from your heart to pray this prayer and just ask Jesus, Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I want to ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior, that you'd come into my heart, make my heart your home. And that I would begin this new life, this new journey with you, Jesus. I thank you so much for loving me, and I thank you for forgiving me. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain.